You know, the universe works in mysterious ways. I really believe when you're passionate and you are putting your energy, you want to put your energy towards a good purpose, things shift around and magic can happen. I really, I believe that completely. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Kelly Robinson about being a vibe manager. If you have an idea in your head of what you want to do, for a living, but you don't think it really exists right now, or if you have a collection of hobbies or passions that you're really into and you don't really see how they how they quite line up or how they could be a future for you, this is a really important episode and I think would be really inspiring for you. Kelly's job as a vibe manager, she basically is able to combine um, like design and architecture and philosophy and yoga and a whole slew of other things into this job that she created for herself and has now done this job for companies like Airbnb, SoundCloud, and is currently doing this for Headspace, helping them design an office workspace. In the episode, we'll learn exactly what it is a vibe manager does and how it is that Kelly was able to turn several kind of seemingly unrelated passions into an awesome career for herself. So without further ado, here is Vibe Manager. Kelly, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so what the heck is a vibe <laughs> manager? I guess, what, like, what do you consider being a vibe manager? And then start talking to us a little bit about what you actually do. Yeah, so um, I, a vibe manager, I guess, is a slightly unconventional job title for someone who comes into a company and really just tries to elevate the vibration within the space as much as possible. So for me, that's a couple different elements. It's about designing a space. So a lot of the work I do is to create uh, offices for these companies that really are beautiful and functional and really fun to be in. It's also about um, working with the teams that are managing these spaces, right? Making sure that the office management side of things is really um, a good service-oriented team that actually loves to do what they do and take care of people. And then there's also things like food and bringing in yoga classes and lots of other things around wellness, also working to create really great parties and celebration events and kind of keep cultural events happening in the companies, especially as they grow. So it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you do like freaking everything. I, <laughs> like I knew uh, from talking to you before that there was a big, um, this is going to be the wrong way to put it, but like an architecture, like feng shui part of it of just like actually structuring the office but you're diving quite a bit deeper than that it sounds like when you're trying to determine the, the correct layout yeah I mean definitely creating the best place for people to play and work in is the most important part but it's also making sure that people understand and are using it to the best that they can and are enjoying their time while they're at work really yeah so what, I mean, like, what are the types of meetings that you're having with the heads of these companies in order to try to find out, like, like you said, like food, maybe adding yoga to the office, yeah. like what types of mindset we're trying to get these people in when they're coming to and from work? Yeah. So when I'm meeting with the, like the top, like the founders, I really am trying to get the vision for really about the product and what they, why they started the company and where the company is going and how they imagine that to materialize into the physical space. 
Um, but really more than individual meetings, I actually am present in the workspace and I watch people really closely. So I'm really watching how people interact and where and, and when they meet and which kind of conversations they're having. Um, so a lot of it is actually I'm almost like a detective kind of sitting in and just observing the culture of the company and seeing how people act. That sounds really <laughs> awesome. So I, you're still very young and people are paying you good money to be doing this completely new thing for them. Let's talk about how the hell you got to being here right now and how you got to do what you did. Uh, well, first of all, how long have you been doing this for? So you're currently working for Headspace, doing this type of role for them. Yes. How, how many times have you done this role and for how long? So I started with Airbnb, actually, when there were 10 people working out of the founder's apartment. And I was with them for about a year and a half. So they grew from 10 to like 200 or two, between 200 and 250 while I was there. Um, then just for about six weeks, I helped couch surfing with their space, also in San Francisco. And then I came over to Berlin to work with SoundCloud and their headquarters. And I was here for two, almost two years, a little more than two years. And then Headspace is more recent. So I've been working with them for like three months. So all in all, I've been doing the vibe management stuff for about five years now. Now, after Airbnb, was it all word of mouth from that point forward? Actually, um, one of my... Like the Billionaire Boys Club? (laughs) Well, one of my former um, colleagues at Airbnb uh, had left Airbnb as well and was doing some consulting. She was consulting SoundCloud and found out that they needed help in terms of um, their office space. And she was like, oh, I've got a girl for you. So it actually came through a connection at Airbnb. And then once SoundCloud happened, yes, um, like the press came out quite quite in a quite bigger way. And I started getting speaking engagements and much more attention from potential clients and headspace was my favorite one by a lot. So I said, yes, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because that obviously touches on what you love. So let's now go quite a bit further back um, to before these five years. (laughs) Like it's, it's so hard for people like, okay, like me, I just recently started out a podcast and it's so hard for me to understand how this becomes just a professional life for me. Like the, the gap between me and somebody that makes a living with a podcast, I feel like is just an ocean, you know, <laughs> and like, how do I get there? I don't even know. And to go from not being a office vibe manager for startups to being an office vibe manager for startups, <laughs> it seems just as vast of an ocean. So how did you cross that ocean and how did this all happen? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that really had to happen was that I realized that this corporate world and this um, this should-do kind of career just totally sucked. I remember I did work like a terrible job in a very, very corporate company in Chicago right after I graduated. And I just, I remember being on the conference call um, with my boss and kind of other people at the, at the headquarters, and he would he would be a completely different person, whether he was on speakerphone or mute. And I remember being like, I know I can do something where I can actually be myself and I don't have to fake it in this environment. So I think the first step is to really know that you don't have to settle for this kind of should do what you, you know, this kind of situation. Um, and then really I, I found myself making my way into hospitality of all kinds. So I was working a lot in restaurants and doing events for, um, restaurants. I loved um, feeding people. I love taking care of people when they were enjoying a meal. So hospitality started to become a big interest of mine. And from there, um, I started to really fall in love also with travel and with hospitality all around the world and how people all over the world were coming together in so many different ways, but still like these same human qualities underneath it. So 
born from those two interests, um, I just, I got really, really lucky. And uh, there was an interesting twist of fate that brought me to Airbnb when they were really young. Yeah, dude, that sounds (laughs) fantastic. Yeah. So what was the immediate job that you had before Airbnb? How do you land a job at Airbnb? I mean, because so we were talking just before the interview and I brought, so I live in San Francisco now, which is like the hub of startups and where you worked when you were at Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And like having applied for startups myself in the past and knowing tons of other people that have applied or worked at startups, I mean, if you want a job, even at a company that only has like eight employees, sometimes even more so if the company only has eight employees, but certainly then a company with 50 or a company with 100 or whatever it is, if they want to, let's say, hire somebody to make a good office space for them, it's like they are going to put the biggest list of requirements forward. It's not like, oh, because we're a startup, we can't really demand that much because of how big and popular startups have gotten it. And everybody views working for a startup as kind of a purchasing a lottery ticket nowadays. And to a certain extent, it's like they know that if they're gonna if they're gonna have some sort of marketing person come on board, they can say, "Hey, we need somebody with twenty years marketing experience." That's the way it goes. Or you have to have already successfully launched three other startups, otherwise we're not going to hire you. How did you get your foot in the door at a company like Airbnb, which is now, you know, everybody knows the company Airbnb, and you only really had experience in service. And yeah. Like yeah. It was definitely a, a twist of fate. And I think it really came down to my genuine desire and genuine passion for travel and for cultural exchange. Like after so I, I had this unconventional job after my corporate job that I quit where I was working on a yacht for a billionaire around the world. And so I was trained in this very, very high level of service. So I learned all of these skills to um, take really, really good care of people. And I tried to figure out what I was going to do with that. I didn't want to work on boats forever. I didn't want to be, you know, serving in, in restaurants anymore. Um, and so when I went to India shortly after to study yoga, I had this kind of realization that I could do anything that I wanted to do. I was like, okay, what am I really passionate about? I know that I can do anything. And, and what came very clear to me was that I was really passionate about cultural exchange and travel. So I decided to just start a business. I had no idea what I was going to do, what my business plan would be, but I just was telling everybody how much I cared about getting young Americans to travel internationally before they kind of jumped into the workforce. Because the response I kept getting from friends was, how are you traveling so much? I'm so jealous. How do you do this? And I'm like, everyone is, everyone can do this. We just don't know how. Yep, so, totally. <laughs> so something that happened is actually one of the guests on board that yacht that I worked on happened to be a venture capitalist based in San Francisco. And when I was traveling around talking about my idea, everybody said, if you, if you want to work for a startup or if you have a startup, you need to go to San Francisco. So I went to San Francisco and I met with this guy who I had met on board the yacht when he was a guest. And it turns out he was the investor in Airbnb. And he really appreciated the way that I served his family when he was vacationing on board the yacht. And so he wrote me a reference to Brian Chesky. And at that time, they didn't know what they were, you know, it wasn't, the startup world wasn't, it wasn't Airbnb as it is now. It was 10 people in the founder's apartment. It like felt like a frat house. So, um, you know, they, they knew they were onto something and I knew that they were onto something, but it wasn't, there wasn't this huge barrier. Um, but the first time that I went there and, and interviewed, I got rejected and this was the terrible horrible moment for me because I genuinely felt that it was wrong. I genuinely felt that I was supposed to give my energy to this company. Um, so 
I didn't take no for an answer. I think there's some times where you need to let things go, but there's some times where you need to be persistent. And so I went back to them and I said, hey, it's summer. You guys are busy. I really am passionate about what you guys are doing. Let me work for free for you. Just give me a shot. And they like talked about it again and brought me again in for an interview and decided to bring me on as an intern. That's so, so interesting. Is that yeah. something that you've done before in your life or was that kind of the first time where you were like, I need to go back. Like, this is how this is supposed to go down. Yeah, that was kind of the first. I mean, I, I've always followed my gut. Like, I've always been one to be like, I feel like I need to go to India. I'm going to just book a flight and go by myself. Like, I've always been a bit, um, you know, courageous like that. But there was definitely something about Airbnb that was like, it was totally wrong to not to like let that go. I needed to go back. <laughs> So. Yeah. Do you remember when they told you no, why they told you no? Like, what did they say? Actually, the- yes. And there was a miracle around that as well. So they were bringing on two new customer service representatives and they had hired two. One of them could speak fluent Spanish as well as English. And she ended up deciding that she wasn't going to join at the last minute. She rejected the offer. So miraculously, there was also another space that opened. I didn't know wow. that at the time, but yeah. Yeah. You know, the universe works in mysterious ways. I really believe when you're passionate and you are putting your energy, you want to put your energy towards a good purpose, things shift around and magic can happen. I really, I believe that completely. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, I know you talking about that belief uh, from us before the interview that you have like a very strong like yogic, yogi side and spiritual side and stuff like that. How do you feel that that sort of calling and feeling and emotion in life has impacted your ability to, let's say, go back to Airbnb and get a job and know what feels right. And, and now with your job that you have, it, you know, truly coordinating people's office spaces and helping them decide what's right for them, how do you feel that all that's impacted your life? Yeah, there's so many ways. Um, I think the first way is that the better that you know yourself, the more confident you become in seeing rejection as guidance or um, knowing what you don't want and saying no. So like really inquiring as to who you are and what is going to make you feel aligned with your higher purpose and the reason why you're here, I think is, is hugely, it hugely will determine who you're going to work for and where, where you're going to give your energy. So that's like a huge part. Um, also with the yoga, you start to learn how to deal with people where you can start to see when it's people's egos that are reacting versus people's truths that are reacting. So you start to get really good at managing people and people's egos, which you're going to do in any role anywhere. And the better you get at, at doing that, the more successful you're going to be no matter what your role is. Cause humans are humans and that's never going to change. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how about your own ego and managing your own? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I definitely have to get checked with that. And the best thing I can say there is to, sur- I to try to surround myself with people who will tell me when I'm acting, when I'm acting off my truth. So yeah. that's where I think like good friends and, you know, real family members come into play big time. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. So talk a more, a little bit more about how your experience in yoga, um, impacts your actual everyday life now in the, in the, these jobs that you're doing for these offices. Yeah. So, um, big picture for me, yoga is obviously much more than a physical practice. It's really about this mindset of, of oneness and connection. So rather than walking through life, thinking that you're completely on your own, doing your own thing with your own life and your own um, situation, that it's a really a collective thing that's happening, that we're all kind of connected. So when I'm designing a space for a company, I try to create spaces where everyone feels welcome rather than having these hierarchical um, spaces that only certain people have access to the best spaces and, um, you know, it's kind of separate and it's not really communal. So that definitely impacts the design of space for sure. And 
um, keep, you know, keeping my yoga practice daily helps me continue to remember that because we always forget. We forget that we're collective and we we think that it's all about us. So just yeah. keeping that reminder that it's there's a bigger picture and when a problem comes up, you realize there's a bigger solution here that you're just not able to see yet. Yeah. So go over with us, like, uh, an, I guess, an example of that. Like, what are some of the things that you tried to come up with when you were designing SoundCloud's office, for instance? So probably the biggest example of that, there's two. One with SoundCloud is I wanted to create one communal space where everybody could would come together to eat or drink anything besides water. So I'm huge on health as well, making people feel physically healthy in the office environment because... I think sitting in an office all day isn't really that great for us. We're designed to be a bit more active. So instead of putting several kitchens throughout the space where people could just go from their desk to the kitchen and back, I created one place, even though it was a three-story building, where there was food. And I put that right in the middle, right in the second floor. So that way, people from the fourth floor and people from the... on the third floor, sorry. People from the fourth floor and people from the second floor would come up to the third floor. And so the whole company was mixing daily, sometimes several times a day. Because if you want a coffee, instead of grabbing something to go and drinking it behind your computer, you go and you make one and you sit in the cafe with your laptop and you're open to interaction. So this like this place of encouraging eating together is really, really important because when you're sitting at a table in a cafe, it's, it doesn't matter if you're the intern or the CEO. You're just there having a coffee. You're just yeah, a human. that's such a good point. Yeah, so, and you especially notice that nowadays with how many startups there are. I mean, particularly in a place like San Francisco. But to your point, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you don't know who that person is. <laughs> I find that like at least once a week, I'll be sitting at a cafe in San Francisco and I'll overhear somebody's conversation. I'm like, wow, I think that dude's like a billionaire right there, <laughs> and I'm just sitting right next to him. And right, I'll just go exactly. Up and, like, touch them and hope that it'll rub off. <laughs> Right. So yes, creating this, this environment where it doesn't matter and you can't, you know, there is the, the hierarchy, even though it's there, it's not really obvious, you know, it's just a better way. It feels better for everyone. Yeah. Um, so you, know, you said two examples. What yeah. The, other the second way is I always look at the best natural, um, like prime real estate. So the best natural light, the best views. Um, I always find the best piece of space in the entire building and make that communal. So SoundCloud had three floors. The fourth floor was beautiful and modern and it had like views looking over all of Berlin. And so I tried to create as many common lounges up there as possible. So it didn't become this kind of fourth floor, um, you know, castle that only the executives were hanging out in. There was plenty of lounge spaces up there so that everyone could share the best views in the house. Yeah. It's the same thing that I'm doing with Headspace. Such a great idea. That's just absolutely awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so take us through your experience now at Headspace and I guess how your job has progressed and if it has yeah. progressed. Yeah. Oh, thank God it's progressed. Um, so, you know, at Airbnb, I was, I was the office manager. I was the executive assistant. I was doing HR. I was doing accounting and I was managing the office and I was designing the office. So I was really, you know, I was burned out there actually by the end. Um, SoundCloud got a little bit better where I was kind of in between the company and the architects and just kind of managing the project, managing the budget, making sure everything was done to the way that SoundCloud would need it. And now that I'm at Headspace, I've got a project manager, I've got architects, I've got all the consultants there. So I'm, I'm able to be a bit more visionary and really kind of staying high level and letting people figure out all of the really local details for me, which allows me to be splitting my time between LA and Berlin so that I can focus also on my, uh, my yoga side of things. My, this fact that I have that this yoga studio also in Berlin that I'm also trying to manage. So it's definitely yeah. progressed, which is great. 
And Headspace is supportive of that? They're, they're okay with you being in Berlin right now? They have been so supportive and so cool. I mean, they asked me, they're like, do you think you can do this? And I said, you know, I've never done this before, so I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to try. And, you know, if worse comes to worse, I need to keep coming back. I'll come back more often. But they've been great. They've been totally empowering because they, I think they trust. They've seen my past projects and they trust that, um, that it's a good investment, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And what an awesome thing that you're now working for a company like Headspace oh, yeah. who makes a meditation app that is trying to help do exactly all those things that you're talking about. Totally. You know, people push down their ego or get rid of it and, you know, think about other people and that's wonderful. Yeah, I was really excited. I thought that was like a perfect connection. It's really, I am really excited about the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start trying to dial in some advice. I guess one would be specifically if anybody somehow has a miraculous opportunity to get your exact job mm -hmm. like what, what would be advice that you would give to those people and then afterwards we'll go for some more general advice i think my number one thing that i've learned throughout this journey is that it's about service it's about serving from from your heart right there's reasons why people are motivated to do work and when people are working just for the sake of money it doesn't it doesn't end up being as magical but when you can figure out no matter what position you're in that you're serving from a place of your heart of genuinely wanting to serve humanity and understanding that when you're serving, no matter who you're serving, you're serving the collective and that it's a good thing to be of service to people. And yeah. so even if it's in the smallest interaction where you're, say you're the office manager at a tech company and someone comes in and they're super grumpy and they give you a kind of a negative vibe, you can turn that around for them, right? In the smallest way. So Every interaction counts, and every interaction is an opportunity to serve and you know give love. Really, do you feel that you've been able to grow in that way since you've had this this role? Like, I guess, in, in what other ways do you maybe feel like you've kind of grown or changed as a person since you have been doing this? Yeah, um, I think actually one thing that I've seen my, in, in myself is that I've become better at creating healthy boundaries with work because this work can be totally consuming. And I think this is something a lot of people in San Francisco can relate to. The startup world can completely suck your soul if you give it every single ounce of your energy. So I think I've seen myself get better at kind of saying no and putting up a boundary, but still allowing that space and that boundary and that respect for myself allow me to even do better work because when I'm on, I'm on 100% and I'm not kind of just doing things because I feel like I should be doing them. So that's yeah. one way that I've grown. That's awesome. And yeah, that's so nice about these, the types of workplaces that you're trying to build for people with uh, both a nice workplace, but then that breeds a positive uh, like mental space for all these people that are coming into these jobs. Because yeah, I mean, people are having to work more hours now and they get so fried. So if there's any way that you can make them, uh, I guess, carry a little bit less stress, you know throughout the course of their day, then you're doing such a huge service to people. You're literally probably adding years to their lives. <laughs> you're basically well, saving people's lives. <laughs> well, I have to say that the most satisfying thing, you know, it's nice to see the press articles. It's nice to see the pictures everywhere. But the most satisfying um, feelings that I ever get are when people like from SoundCloud come to me and they say, Kelly, I quit smoking or I started yoga or I, I changed my eating habits you know, cause I can, you know, that's, that's where I actually feel like I'm doing the best service to the world is when people are taking these changes they see in the office and they're, they're bringing it into their personal lives. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. 
So what is next for you? Or is that part of being you and part of being a yogi and part of presence <laughs> is that you're just living right now and not talking about what's next? Uh, yeah, I would love to say that I'm total Buddha, go moment to moment. No, I do have kind of visions for the future. I, I would love to um, get into designing retreat spaces and wellness spaces and healing spaces where people can go for a weekend or a week at a time and do some really deep healing work. So as much as I can create an office environment that's better, I'm really passionate about getting people into a more healing space connected with nature um, and, and designing that experience, designing a retreat experience kind of from start to finish. That sounds like it would be so rad. I would love to and do I that. And I think you're totally going to do it. <laughs> I so hope so. Awesome. I hope so. Do you feel, which I guess leads me to one last question. Uh, do you feel like you're confidence in yourself has changed since all of this it's like you're doing this like unlikeliest of jobs that i'm sure like a lot of people would kill for uh, yeah do you feel that that's like like you you bring up that job the, the like where you want your future to go um and to back what i said at the start of the interview of like i look at my journey with podcasting and everything and that like i look at the chasm of being a successful podcaster to where i am right now it's just like the grand canyon if, if this was you like 10 years ago and you think of this perfect job and like how, how do I get there to organizing these healing spaces for people, I, I imagine there might be a little bit of a difficulty to think of like the confidence of like, oh no, I think I could really do that. Do you feel like you have more confidence in your life now because you have, have grown this wonderful life for yourself? I mean, to be honest, I'm definitely human and I definitely have bad days and days where I doubt myself and I'm questioning what I'm doing um, and compare myself to other people. But I do That's think... That's really good to hear. <laughs> yeah, completely. Oh, my God. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, I part of my kind of purpose, part of why I'm here is to connect space with with helping people feel better in whatever way, whether that's in their body or their mind or even deeper in their spirit. So that's part of my purpose. So I kind of feel like, you know, that's just kind of the path that's going to unfold before me as long as I so keep showing up. Confidence. It's you're, you're in line with your purpose in life. So kind of, yeah, I guess the confidence comes from committing to a practice, you know, and remembering that it's about this bigger, bigger picture as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. It's just like your destiny at that point. Just what needs to happen. That's kind of what it's feeling like. I'm just starting to say yes to opportunities, you know, just kind of trusting that I'm going to be pointed in the direction that I want to go. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, yeah. we should all try to do it. <laughs> and by the way, there's not, a can- yeah. there's not a Grand Canyon and there's not an ocean. Like, you're on your way. So, <laughs> you're good. You're going to, you know, it's awesome yeah, what you're yeah. doing. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Kelly, thank you so much. We appreciate it.